Welcome to episode two of the Fathoming Heavy podcast. My name is Andrew, and before we get started with today's episode, I want to just thank everyone who reached out with words of encouragement and support uh, during the month since the last episode was posted. I really appreciate that. Uh, The podcast is now available on iTunes, and if you download it or stream it on iTunes, please take a minute and give me a rating. Um, That uh, always helps and is much appreciated. Uh, You can also find me on Facebook and Twitter, and you can certainly email me at fathomingheavy at gmail.com. My guest on today's podcast is Todd Meister, bassist for the Bay Area band Dispirit. Now, full disclosure, I've known Todd for 12 or 13 years, so there wasn't really a need to sit down and break the ice with him. He came over, we, we sat down, drank some beer, and just talked about metal for about three hours. So what you're hearing is actually a pretty heavily edited version of that conversation, um, but the best parts are here. Uh, Todd's a great guy, and I really appreciate um, the fact that he came over. In fact, he was one of the first people that I talked to about starting this podcast and just sort of bounced the idea off him to see whether he thought people would be into it and willing to talk to me, and he was uh, really supportive of the whole thing. So it was great to have him actually come and be a part of it. Uh, Without further ado, my conversation with Todd Meister, bassist of Dispirit. I think the last time I saw you was... Actually, in October, uh, mm-hmm. at the um, let's see, oh, the, the fest, the fest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The California Death Fest. Yeah, it might have been the last time we played around here. We did a short tour in December up north, but we didn't right. play any shows here. Okay, I think that that's like the best time I ever saw you. No, oh. thought that was an especially good show. Oh, cool. I don't know, something just clicked about that. I mean, we've been on tour for most of the summer too, for a lot yeah. of the summer. We had like well, like ten dates total, I think. And you've been up, so you've been up north. Yeah, we and went down south, up north, and then we went up north again. Okay. We went up north again because we were invited to play a Yule Fest. Yeah. And we couldn't afford to do it. They couldn't give us enough money to make it like that we would break even, just to play that fest. So we had to do a short tour. Okay. I would have loved to have just gone and played the fest. The fest was really fun. So, uh, yeah, what? Well, who else was at the Yule Fest? The night we played, we were the there were two metal bands, us and this band Eos, E-O-S. They're like these young kids playing Funeral Doom. They were really good. Mm-hmm. They put they went right before us. And then there was some other stuff. There was this weird experimental stuff. And um, do you know Ariel Ruin? Mm-hmm. It's Eric Mogridge. Yeah, so that was the first sure. time I saw him. It was amazing. Yeah. I'd heard that, actually, people were saying, though, that that was the best sound they'd ever seen him play with. Like, he was amazing. I couldn't believe it. Like, knowing of him as, like, old granddad epidemic. Yeah. And his, his fucking vocals were, like, almost like James Taylor and shit like it's like his guitar playing is really subtle and his vocals were subtle and the lyrics were all they were making me so sad without even knowing what he was saying (laughs) like I think I've seen him do that once Um, you know I had seen Epidemic back in the day and Mm, um, I never saw them um, but then I think I saw him as Ariel Ruin one time but he's the guy that does he also he's guested on both Bellwitch records oh has he okay Yeah. yeah He's a sweetheart. Yeah. I never would have guessed that from... I only knew him mostly from Old Granddad, and okay. though that band was such a fucking druggy, weirdo band, yeah. I just assumed they were all insane. And Well, back in the 80s, when I would see him with Epidemic, you know, he'd be walking around, and he looked he looked really sad. And so my uh, friends and I referred to him as the sad guy, because we didn't know his name. <laughs> you know, much like the last interview that I did, or conversation that I had... Um, I started it with just kind of asking the question, how did you get into metal? So I'll ask that. Okay. How, how, how did you get into metal? All right. So 
if, if we go into to the history of this stuff very much, I just have to give a disclaimer that I might have multiple mythologies about how I've gotten into various things. I think there are a lot of things I consider the first thing of this and that. <laughs> but anyway, I definitely know that the way I got into metal was um, Come On, Feel the Noise by Quiet Riot. Okay. That song was the first metal song I ever heard, <laughs> and I was super fucking stoked on it. How old were you? Uh, I was probably nine or ten. Okay. I'm not sure. I'd have so to. So how old are you date. now? Forty-two. Forty-two. Okay. Forty-two. That was my guess. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I had a friend whose dad played. He, I had a friend whose dad played in a band with my uncle. His dad was the singer. My uncle was the guitarist. What kind of band? It was like, from what I understand, I don't remember very well, <laughs> but from what I understand, it was they were like very heavily influenced by Rolling Stones, um, like that kind of like blues rock. Yeah. Uh, my friend's dad was, I know he did a, what I thought of at the time as a passable Elvis impersonation. I have no idea now. Like I just, this is all really old. Um, yeah. So that friend, like I was like, I got, I was get weird about fundamentalist Christianity. I was raised kind of in a fundamentalist environment. And where was this? In Indiana, Indiana right. in Northern Indiana. And I would... I thought of rock and roll as being this like devil's music. I was very anti rock and roll. Wow. My, my friend was into my, my my friend who was two years younger than me, and we're talking we're young, like he's like five and I'm like seven. Okay. He was into Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I love rock and roll, and I would sing I hate rock and roll. <laughs> <laughs> I had this like I was always very extreme about shit. <laughs> yeah. But uh I have no idea what it was about Quiet Riot, but like that song, I fucking loved it so much. I bought the tape, and you had seen like the video on MTV. Or, I don't. Or, well, we didn't have MTV yeah. at all, but I might maybe Friday Night Videos had it on. Right. I don't know. One of those syndicated video shows. Yeah, because yeah, we didn't have MTV. Night Lights, Friday Night Videos, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I got that, and then. So was that like your first? The first. That's the first metal thing metal I think thing before you bought. that, before that, yeah, I did because okay, so that I had a tape of, but I had Mr. Roboto by the by Sticks right. on vinyl. Like so the the forty five, the, the seven. No, the you the, had that the album, the, the whole album. Okay, yeah, I was fascinated with because see that's what I was I was psychotic like schizophrenic kid because. I loved the Mr. Roboto was all about how, like, the government censors rock and roll and makes rock and roll illegal, and yet I still held this thing about rock and roll. I don't understand what my brain was going on through when I was a little kid. So somehow you were against the whole thing. And yet also and yet at times you, for it. But you had that record, and then you heard the Quiet Riot thing. Yeah. And something about that. Well, something about that for everyone. I mean, well, we I think that, that so. maybe the Joan Jet was way earlier. That's probably okay. what it was. Right. it was. That must have been way earlier. And then I got more into not trusting authority and like the Mr. Roboto, and then that primed me for quite okay. a while. <laughs> and then, uh, and that was when it was happening. That was '83. Yeah, it would have been when the album came yeah, out. Right. It was their it was, uh, their second album, but it was the one without. I think because they had one with Randy. Rose I think they had that. I never really heard. I think they. I think that there were two. Oh, really? Well, this I, was like Metal Health yeah, is the yeah. one that that was on. I think there were two in J that were released in Japan with uh, Randy. I might be... There might have just okay. been one. I thought there was two with Randy that only were released in Japan. Okay. I'll... Yeah. I, I mean, never... And I've never actually heard this stuff with Randy. It's... Uh, it's it's a little poppier. I mean, it's not like you listen to it and think, oh, that's the guy that... I mean, that's the guy from Blizzard of Oz and Diary. Right. I mean, it's not like that. 
Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool. There's a compilation that was issued later um, with, like, a best of. Right. It's worth listening to. So I don't know. Like, after that... Uh Oh, there was the Motley, Motley Crew. There was smoking in the boys' room. Came out. It was terrible. Yeah. So then, <laughs> then I got uh, theater pain. And there was this girl who I had a crush on, who was my age, who who uh, dated older boys. We're, we're talking at this point. We're probably like eleven. She's right. dating like fourteen-year-olds. Ah, okay. And, older um, men. Yeah. She introduced me to Wasp. Okay. And Rat. And she was like, oh, yeah, don't, you, you know, like, I think I had Bon Jovi, like, I, I listened to Bon Jovi and Molly, and then she was like, oh, you should listen to this, this is like, Wasp is evil. Yeah. And I checked that out, and that was, uh, yeah, and then my cousin, I remember it was outside of my grandparents' church, I don't know why, we were there for a wedding or something, played um, Aces High and Fight Fire with Fire, those are the two songs he played. Aces High from Live After Death. Okay. And those both, like, they disturbed the hell out of me, and they, like, intrigued me. I didn't immediately love either of them. I remember thinking Aces High was, like, syrupy. His voice was syrupy and weird. But it's just, I don't know, yeah. It was really, that kind of got me on the track to to find real metal. Yeah. yeah. And then literally, okay, so literally a few months later, this guy that used to, I used to be scared shitless of who would bully me when I was a kid... I saw him walking down the hall in high school. I'm so I was a freshman at this point, and he had a denim jacket on that he had written in, in ink that he'd like made the logos for Metallica, Megadeth, and Metal Church. And I knew the name Metallica, so I I like you know gathered up my courage and walked up to him. I was like, hey. Metal Church, pretty cool, or something like that. Are they, are they good? And he was like, yeah, they're really he- heavy. I don't know what the uh, fuck he said, yeah. you know? And I was like, holy shit, I just had a conversation with this dude that did not involve me getting punched. This is amazing. <laughs> and and I searched out Megadeth. I got that through some, like, one of those Columbia clubs or something yeah. like that. And so was that, too. was that, uh, like, Killings by Business era? Or no, was that it was Peace, peace, peace Cells. Okay. Yeah. All right. Because Peace Cells had such a catchy fucking hook, the little bass line. Like oh, that. yeah. I was still very much coming out from a pop idea of things. Okay. And then I got The Dark. So it was The Dark by Metal Church. Oh, right. And Peace Cells. And The Dark was Metal Church's second, right? Yeah. Okay. Well, like The Dark, like Ton of Bricks was the one song. That was my favorite song on that album because it was like, because I was looking for speed metal at that point. Okay. I wanted fast shit. Right. And then, I, and then they get the first album. I love the first album, too, actually. The first album was darker... Felt murkier. Yeah, yeah. I was getting into things like sabotage then, like mm-hmm. sirens. Uh, Dungeons are calling. Dungeons are calling. Such a bad EP. Yeah. Although that one was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would like sit and play like solo Dungeons and Dragons, like by myself. <laughs> go through modules. Yeah. Playing by myself and listening to like sabotage, sabotage, rat, and metal shirts. Those three <laughs> are Dungeons and Dragons music to me. Um, so with Rat, was it like out of the cellar or was yeah. it, did you go past that? Um, let's see, there was out of the cellar. There were two albums I had. I don't remember. It was out of the cellar was one. There was that first one, which I think was self-titled, which was just, okay. just that woman's legs. That was an legs. EP, right? I think it was an EP. Yeah. I don't know if it was that or the, or out of the cellar in the next, I don't, I never like, it took me years to actually realize after I'd said fuck you to Glam yeah. that Rat was actually good. <laughs> it took me years to, yeah. to realize that. That's funny. I was thinking about that today, because um, I've been on a big white snake kick recently, <laughs> and and just thinking about all those bands that I totally wrote off, and Poison is a terrible band. 
Poison's like, terrible. They're, they're terrible. They were trying to do something good. They were trying to do, but it had nothing to do with what White Snake was doing. No, or, it wasn't metal at all. It was yeah. they were trying to be the New York Dolls. Well, White Snake wasn't even really metal. I mean, none of those bands are really metal, right? But they I mean, came out of that proto metal, like yeah, like uh, uh, Rainbow or some shit. Yeah, know, Deep Purple. Right, and were they metal? I don't know. I mean, they were they were definitely a hard rock band, and I mean, you get into splitting hairs there. I guess. Right. I mean, without Deep Purple, I don't think metal as it exists today probably w- would have been possible. But but some of those bands were really really good, and you strip away kind of the you know the '80s tropes and and trappings, and um, White Snake was a really good band. Jen agrees with me. <laughs> <laughs> I had a. Big... I saw them like not long ago. Did you did you go to the show in uh, in the summer? Yeah, I was like a couple. I don't know. It was a few years ago. Oh, okay, I think right. they were opening for. Uh, I don't remember who it was now. Somebody I wanted to see. It was like either I think it was Scorpions or it might have been Judas Priest. Okay. Uh, it was it was it was good. Yeah, I've never seen them. They were better than Motley Crue is nowadays. <laughs> oh. Well, Vince Neil can't. No. Sing. But even, I mean, even Molly Crew. I mean, Big Mars was a, was a great guitarist. He is a great guitarist. Yeah. And, and Nikki Six wrote some really good songs. And, you know, those first... The Theater of Pain, though, there's no excuse for that. Were, that was the thing I got really is an, It's not know. a good album. They were the first band that I ever saw. I saw them in 1983 open for Kiss at the um, Bill Graham Civic. <laughs> it was just called the San Francisco Civic. It was on the Kiss's uh, 10th anniversary, the Creatures of the Night Tour. And I had never heard Molly Crew. So they had just taken their makeup. No, no, it was, it was right before. This that? was in April, and they took the makeup off, like in uh, September. They took it off in the fall. Okay. So it was the last tour. Motley Crew was on that tour for like a week, and that was the last night with them. It might have been the last night of the tour, actually. So actually, you know, on the Motley Crew thing, though, you started listening to them a little bit later because that was um, Smoking in the Boys Room Theater of Pain era. So, you know, Shadow of the Devil had the the pentagram Mm -hmm. on the cover, the black cover with the black pentagram, and and it even had a warning on the back. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that. It said this record may contain backwards messages. Oh, yeah, I think I remember that. I had the the tape. Okay. Um, I'm pretty sure I didn't have that dubbed. I think I actually bought that one. I liked, that's one thing, once I got into them, then I I, I found Shout the Devil, and I liked their imagery somewhat. Like, I liked their video. Their videos were all fire and demonic. They did did read untrue. They read, like, you know, they read, it was more like sexy, not very scary kind of shit, you know? Yeah. Which didn't appeal to me as much, but I still liked the pentagrams and things. I was starting to get into that stuff. I was I was I was obsessed with 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 like demonic and satanic imagery since seeing Jack Chick tracks at my church when I was very young. What is Jack? Jack Chick. Chick? Yeah. He he was like a comic artist and he'd put these little they're like this size like uh what like 3 inches by 2 or something and there'd be little comics that would show like people being communists or atheists or just denying God in some way and at the end they'd go to hell and there'd be demons poking them with pitchforks. But he, he drew in a very classic comic book style. Like But he was like a fundamentalist. Yeah, comic. he's a he's a loony. You should you should look oh. it up. He's very okay. I mean he's very prominent if you're if you were raised at all around fundamentalist okay. religion. But but his his stuff was meant to 
lead you to the to, to Jesus. And there's always at the at the end there's a little thing about how to confess and become a Christian. But like that was my first, my very first uh, introduction to satanic imagery was through Jack Chick tracks. Wow. At my church. And I, I, like, was obsessed with them. I don't, I just, the, the demons were really, they were cool monsters. <laughs> I so, think that, like, going to fundamentalist church primed me for being in yeah, metal. Right. <laughs> you just had to scrape and that. And D&D and horror. Yeah, and exactly. That. You had to scrape that off the bottom of your shoes. <laughs> it's hilarious. So, mm-hmm. so, like, at what point then did you... Because it sounds like you were pretty heavily influenced by the whole fundamentalism thing. And then at some point, you rebelled against it. And was there like a thing that happened, or did you just, mm. was it a gradual thing where you just kind of looked at it more critically and said, hey, this actually doesn't make sense? Well, I spent a lot of time when I was really young trying to, well, you know, like when you're, when you're a certain age, you um, you can't tell reality from from playing. Yeah. Uh, I remember this is like a regret I have like I have many many regrets but one of the little tiny regret I have is uh, I had a babysitter this dude was babysitting me and he was like I mean I must have been four or something and he was probably like eight or whatever and he was babysitting in the afternoon and we started playing Batman and Robin and he was Batman I was Robin and we went on top of this treehouse and he was telling me there's a tornado coming. We have to get. We have to. I don't know. Do some things. It was like he was making the story up in his head, and I completely flipped the fuck out that there was a tornado coming. <laughs> like because I didn't understand that we were playing. Right. Right. The older you get, the more the more capable you are of seeing when you're playing and when you're not. And I think that's when a lot of people drop out of religion. Like, but basically, like you know, I spent a lot of time praying and trying to figure shit out and like asking for answers and like you know, this is like resounding silence happening. And then when I was ten, I know that this is my social studies class. There was a teacher who had been to China, and I was a class clown. It's always trying to fucking crack everyone up and just make things less boring for me. And um, and I was making fun. We were studying China, and I was making fun of Buddhism. I don't know what I was making fun of about it. I was just mocking whatever some basic, like, religious-type belief of theirs. And she pointed out that, like, well, there are, like, a billion Chinese Buddhists who think that Christ resurrecting is ridiculous. And she was a Christian, and all that but like when she said that it just made poof like it had this uh-huh. like light in my head that I realized that like I need to like be more critical about these beliefs mm-hmm. it doesn't make any fuck. it doesn't make sense like I was raised in that I think it's I think that makes sense but like so were other uh, um, a whole bunch of other people raised that think that this is a total alien belief you know so that I think that was what like started that and once that happened a lot of things collapsed like a lot of my belief systems collapsed a lot of suddenly a lot of authority didn't exist anymore and yeah. so how did that um tie into or, mm. or how you how you started getting I started into, getting that yeah into music because well, I, I assume that the imagery was were, a big thing um yeah I, I mean I was drawn I don't know why I don't know like I said the Jack Chick thing right but I also you remember the devil went down to Georgia that song yeah sure like, I was obsessed with that song when Charlie I was a little Daniels. kid I loved it the idea of fighting with the devil like anything involving the devil I was always really interested uh-huh. in and I think I was just drawn to that. I was drawn to that imagery, the darker side sure. kind of thing. And I'm still. I mean, I, I was drawn. I was the the Jack Chick stuff. 
was important, but at the same time, like, why was I drawn to that? Right. <laughs> like, no, right. A lot of other kids saw that and didn't care. Right. So I don't know. Yeah, and then I was drawn. I was drawn to like monsters and Dungeons and Dragons and stuff like that, like, like right. fantasy things. I don't know, as a literary mindset or something. I'm not sure. Well, it's not, yeah. I mean, it sounds like you were just sort of predisposed to, you know, be interested in. Like that imagery and it, stuff. It, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on it. It's hard to explain it. It's hard to say why, but yeah, yeah. no, fully. And there's something about, I mean, there's something about metal that's oppositional that's, yeah. that I think once you realize authority, I guess, yeah, once you realize that, that, that a lot of authority is based on false premises, then you are oppositional. Yeah. And, and metal has a lot of that. Although there's a lot of like silly conformity in metal too. I mean, in multiple levels. Whether you're talking fashion or politics yeah, or whatever. Yeah. Well, I definitely want to actually get back to that because I think that's really interesting. But um, especially as we're older now. Mm-hmm. Um, but so you said you said you were in Indiana mm-hmm. and then you spent some time in Chicago. Uh, when I when I was so okay when I was uh, late teens, like uh, I started going to Chicago every now and then. Like Chicago was like at that point. I mean. There were there were there were there were, sto- there were I don't remember what the fuck they were called now. I have friends who are from Chicago who would remember, but uh, like I think in Halstead or something like that, there was there was a store that was just like all metal shirts oh. and jewelry, like you know, like like leather shit and weird statuary. It was bad. I can't remember what the fuck it was called, but you would go there and you know when you're a kid. You go and you just look at T-shirts. You're not. You don't have money to buy a T-shirt. No, no. You just go look at every shirt yeah. and you think of which one you want to buy. Yeah. Like I used to do. I would go there and do that, and then go buy like a coffee. Like that's yeah. all I could afford. But like Circus Magazine would have a page yes. of all the pictures, all the shirts, all the Aussie shirts, and all. The, and I would look at it and say, I want that one. That one. That one. Yeah. And I'd mark them and everything. I had no money. I, did the I, same I barely, thing. Like I had to borrow money to buy the Circus Magazine. I had no money for a shirt. But. Yeah. Every now and then I would buy one, but you would get you would see the baddest that you're like if I had that yeah. fucking shirt yeah. did you I used to um, we would we would like trade shirts mm. when I was a kid like my friend had a Slatanic Wehrmacht shirt sure. and, uh, and, and and I let him I don't remember what shirt I gave him for it maybe the South of Heaven shirt okay uh I don't know, but like we, tra- I, I might have been the peace seller, whatever. But we traded it, like, because he didn't have, and we, you would wear each other's shirts. <laughs> <laughs> would they be like permanent trades or just? No, no, no. You just wear it, and then you you, your, your mom would wash it, and then you just swap <laughs> them back. back. I got in trouble for one. I got the one I got in trouble for was a DRI shirt. Really? It had a, it had a soldier on it. Yeah. And it was it was a really early it was like it was a violent pacification. Yeah. Shirt. Yeah. And my mom. It's like a skeleton soldier. Yeah. My mom thought it was like. She didn't get that the fucking lyrics were anti-war. Right. She thought it was some crazy fascist yeah, thing that I was yeah, into. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she got so mad. I had to like, I had to be like, my friend Greg loaned me this shirt. You can't throw it away. <laughs> and then she's like, you can't hang out with Greg anymore. Oh. I was trying to explain to her what it meant. Yeah. She just didn't understand. Uh, first shows, you were saying your first show. Oh, my Say first mine. show. Yeah. What was yours? Mine was... Uh, uh, Metallica and Just for All Tour, Queens Reich. Queens Reich. Yep, yep. Eighty-eight. It was uh, November, December, somewhere in there. November. Yeah. It was actually. It was Thanksgiving Day, I think. No, it was the day before Thanksgiving. Okay. Um, so, and this one, um, 
my mom would not have let me go. I was like 14. I've never been to a show. My mom was not going to let me go to a show. I mean, this is like this is like a small town. It's like you grew up in like more like a urban area. Well, I grew right? up in the Bay Area. Yeah. yeah. So it's like it was it was a little weirder, like more regional, parochial. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, my mom was very much not into me going to the show, but uh, my friend's mom lied for us and actually told my mom that she was going to take us to the show and be there with us and then you know so it's like basically chaperoning us and in reality she went on a date with her her boyfriend in Indianapolis and we like she dropped us off dropped you and off. picked us up yeah which was fine we were fine like but you know my mom was she she was scared you know she didn't know at all like like metal show metal was a scary sure. thing and uh so anyway, yeah, like that was the first. It was, and it was the the same weekend that my high school uh, football team went to the what do you call it state championships in the same town. Okay. So my entire town was basically in the in Indianapolis while I was there, and I actually got to see the state championship game, and my 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 uh, state my team got beat fifty six to zero, <laughs> which was. Like wow. the icing on the cake of seeing my first ever show. It was I was watching jocks that had picked on me and my friends crying. Yes. It was amazing. That's this amazing. This was before Pantera, so there were no jocks into metal right then. Right. Or there were some, but they were the most burnout. Dudes. I remember those days. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It was weird because Metallica, I, and I had the first bang over I ever had. Oh, damn. I didn't do drugs or any alcohol or anything right. back then, but like my head, my neck, yeah. I couldn't, and I had short hair. I remember headbanging was so weird with really short hair. Yeah. Uh, but my, I could barely, I was like, I was like holding my head up, my, 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 my forehead to, to watch the game because it was so, I just could barely move my, I had whiplash. Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I mean, and, and, and you know, Metallica was disappointing to me. It was my first, my first ever live show and the sound, I just, I didn't know what to expect from a live show. Okay. The sound wasn't like the album. <laughs> Hetfield's voice was much more nasally than I yeah. thought it was going to be. <laughs> like, all this shit was, like, not the way I thought it. But it still was amazing. And actually, I didn't like Injustice for All when that tour came through. Okay. And they opened with Blacken. I remember. And it fucking blew me away. Yeah. I was, in, I was yeah. just like, I remember. The, I remember the moment. How is this so, it's so yeah. heavy? Yeah. So it was like this is Met- I thought it wasn't Metallica, and then like I was like fucking Justice for All isn't Metallica, yeah. and then I heard Black and Live, and it just like blew me away how heavy that shit was. Yeah, that was actually a really amazing show. Um, they had the big stage show too. That's probably the first yeah. time they had a big stage. And the then the whole Justice thing fell down. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was awesome. That that show though, I remember that that. Uh, a lot of people at that show were wearing Slayer shirts that had the green demon head that said the root of all evil, yeah. which is a reference to a South of Heaven song, but South of Heaven hadn't come out yet. So I think Slayer must have just come through town. No, it had. South of Heaven came sure? out that summer. If you think about I thought that, it was 89. No, South of Heaven was 88. If you think uh, about 88, you had, <clears throat> there was Eternal Nightmare, which mm-hmm. is a big deal for here, for mm-hmm. the violence. There was Frog Through the Park, which is also a big deal for here. Yeah. Um, there was South of Heaven. There was Dimension Hatros. Yeah. That and then, I remember. And that was all like that summer. And then in um, September, it was um, Justice. 
Okay. That's I didn't cool. know that South Because I hadn't heard South of Heaven. Yeah, Slayer had actually come through because I saw them that summer. Okay, because so they, they must have been through, but yeah. I thought it was, like, I was, I was like, at that point I was, the, the Slayer hadn't quite overtaken, and Metallica was my favorite band when I saw, when mm-hmm. I saw them. Mm-hmm. Slayer, though, was rapidly overtaking them. Like, I just kind of discovered them, and they were, they were like... The first time I heard Rain and Blood, it was a fucking... My friend loaned me the tape overnight because he didn't want to have it in his house because it was too evil. <laughs> and it just, like, fucking... Yeah, Slayer. Slayer was became my favorite band. It was, like, Iron Maiden to Metallica yeah. to Slayer, and that, like, lasted for a while. But I didn't see Slayer for... So the next show I saw was Testament. Okay. The next year. So was that... It was a Skolnick still. Uh... I don't remember who opened or if they uh, they might have opened. I went to see Testament. So was that New Order or was that uh, it, whatever the third one was oh, called? It might have been the third. I was that third one. I used to play. I used to my all my all my memories of that fucking album are are couched in in, in Super Nintendo game. I, I would play. <laughs> it was like the. It wasn't that good an album. It was okay. It had a weird bass tone. It had a lot of weird. Things going on on it, but the, it, the third one, the third one, not New Order. Uh, practice next. what you preach. Practice what you preach. Yeah. yeah, I actually like that better than New Order. I thought New I Order is more poppy. I thought the writing was better. Yeah, on it might practice, be, so. but the tones are weird. That mm. the production, uh, I, I still Legacy is like you know. Oh yeah, yeah. that's another old D and D playing out. But uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So then, then I saw Slayer. I don't know if anybody opened for them. I don't know anything. At that point, they were my favorite band. Yeah. And they were playing in Battle Creek. In a, the the venue was a club that was like there was a mall and at the edge of the parking lot there was a club that probably was a restaurant before it was a club I have no idea and uh, my me- I had a few weird memories of it I jostled some dude who was trying to snort coke and his, like some like like Harley looking dude who was trying to snort coke and his wife like stopped him from beating my ass uh, I was trying to get up in the front. And I was standing there all happy, and the people were shoving, and I freaked out and started shoving everyone, and they all just basically, like, threw me out. <laughs> like, I didn't understand yet that just because someone unfairly shoves you doesn't mean you can thrash around. Anyway, like, my last memory of that show, I, I have a distinct memory. I remember there were the, the, these tears. There was the bar in the back. I had a Coke before. And the lights went out, and it went boom, boom, boom. And the rain started. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And then the guitars start... And then I don't remember anything except four hours later we were in Arby's. <laughs> That's the next thing I remember, and I, I blacked out from sheer joy. <laughs> like I don't know what happened. Yeah, I think I was running around. I was a little. I was like fifteen. I was probably yeah. running in circles <laughs> like a crazy dog. That's what we all did when we were fifteen at Slayer shows. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you're in Indiana. All this is happening. You somehow end up here. Mm-hmm. How did that? How uh, did that work? Well, so that was uh, my uh, my best friend, one of my best, like two best friends from high school. Uh, we, he graduated. We graduated at the same time, and he asked me if I wanted to move out and help him pay rent because we were both had English degrees. He was coming to UC Berkeley to study to do grad grad stu- okay. uh, to do grad school, and I. So had you had nothing. like a? Did you have a? It's like a BA in English. Yeah, okay. okay. Yeah. English lit. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I had nothing to do. And so, yeah, I moved out here to be with him. I didn't even... I knew Bay Area Metal was a thing, but I just didn't... I still... Like, I'm... I'm, It's it's hard to 
to describe like the when you're from nowhere when you're from a place that I mean not nowhere but it's like a place that not a lot of shit not a lot of creative shit happens and and I just didn't believe I don't know you have people who think that you can go somewhere and it's going to be way better and you have people who just like are like cynical I was more cynical I didn't believe that California existed I mean I believed it existed but I figured it was the same all around but the grass is not always greener kind of a thing it's, yeah it's, like if like they don't don't be. don't don't try to fucking I don't know like I, I was cynical about the idea of things are better yeah I mean they are they are better they are also shitty in their own ways but yeah I mean I moved out here and I mean I was I moved around the corner from a place where Voivod played the year I moved out here like the Berkeley Square I was living literally three blocks from the Berkeley Square when Voivod played here, but it was on there like, oh God, what was that tour? I don't know those albums. It's, it's after, it's Eric Forrest stuff. Okay. So what year did you move <clears throat> out here? 95. Okay. But yeah, so I didn't have, you know, it had nothing to do with metal or anything. Actually, I was done with metal at that point. Like, like every band I loved had sold out. Megadeth sucked. <clears throat> Metallica sucked. Metal Church sucked. Like, fucking Badlands, all that shit. Like, I don't know. And I, and I, I wasn't clever enough to have gotten into underground metal. What were you listening to at that point? <laughs> at that point, I was, like, listening to, like, world music, like, jam bands kind of thing. Nothing, I mean, there's nothing wrong with any oh, of that. I know. There's not. There's not. But uh, that was what I... Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, yeah. So you didn't... So you didn't move out here... For the metal scene. No, no, no. That had nothing to do with it. At all. And at that point, it was a, a coincidence that you lived yeah. around the corner. And I mean, when I moved... Yeah, yeah, totally. <clears throat> I mean, I did go see... I didn't actually see Voivod. Uh, this, 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 this incredibly terrible band opened for them. Uh, Skin Lab, I think it's called. Skin... It was not... Yeah, Skin Lab. Skin Lab is a... Is a Bay Area. An East Bay band. Like, yeah. They were terrible. And I just, like, I, I couldn't... I was like... I'd already... I heard some people talking about how Voivod had changed and then Skin Lab came on and I'm like if if this is what's opening for Voivod I don't need to see Voivod oh so you actually left. left I didn't even see Voivod okay alright <laughs> terrible <laughs> I bet it would have been really good actually it's really shitty that I didn't stay I never saw them with Eric Forrester but I like those Eric Forrester records especially the second one and um, I wish that I could have seen them yeah so you move out here and you're not actually here for the metal yeah. and um in fact, you're not into what's. I mean, you're. I was you, done. You know, I mean, Skin Lab was playing. They actually were, like like they were, so they were kind of a big deal of a band for a while. They were terrible. And, oh no, I don't like them either. But, um, but, but you also have to look at what was happening here at that time. There wasn't yeah a ton locally going. Yeah, on. But that was also what made me like just done with metal. Was that yeah. like all the shit I liked about it. Like, when Pantera puts out the best thrash album in the mainstream thrash, you know, whatever, it's fucked up. That's not good. So, all right, and and that's interesting also, because I think about this a lot, and I think you and I have talked about this before, right? Um, What's going on at that that period of time? Um, So we're talking mid-'90s, basically. Mm -hmm. Um, Everybody says on whatever, you know, uh, VH1 documentaries and things. Mm. Everyone, you know, is a grunge killed metal. Oh, yeah, yeah, So you're coming into this, and there's no metal, and the metal you see is not good, and I agree with you on that. But um, from my perspective, there's actually a lot of exciting stuff happening at that point. There, yeah. This may not be happening here. 
Um, and I didn't. I wasn't. I didn't know enough to fucking yeah. find it. Yeah, I agree. And I think that um, Nirvana coming along when they did. I mean, somebody was going to come along because everything that was happening up until that point in terms of um, mainstream hard rock and metal was, I mean, it was reaching its sell-by date, really. Um, Because if you look back on the history of music, uh, or at least music in the 20th century, I mean, things seem to cycle in five and ten year increments, right? And so that was about the time. And the thrash bands in the Bay Area, I mean, they all of them had, you know, two, three records. They were all kids when they started. They're growing up. They're realizing the music industry is really hard to navigate. They're realizing that they're growing up and they're, I mean, they're getting married. They're having kids. They have to support themselves. This is not going to do that. That had to come to an end at some mm-hmm. point. <clears throat> the the L.A. stuff, the glam stuff, I mean, which which I still, to this day, say that that was not metal. And well, that's, what I, that's the point I want to make, actually. Yeah. Is that when, when people talk about that grunge killed metal, they don't mean metal. They mean L.A. glam metal. That's what they're talking about. And that was the stuff. Grunge had nothing yeah. to do with fucking metal. I mean, well, no, no, that's actually not fair to say because fucking like Melvin's and Soundgarden. Soundgarden was a metal band. They're, they're, yeah, it, it, what I mean is it didn't have to do with killing metal. No. Like, like the metal they talk about being killed was the metal that was on radio, which was, <clears throat> at that point, they were, it was all ballads. And we were talking war. It was we're talking power ballads. Yeah, it was. Firehouse and Poison. All of those and, awful yeah, there was nothing, and yeah. all of those awful bands. There was nothing good. Yeah. Like, that, that, wasn't, that wasn't what they. The, grunge. Was I mean grunge is better than fucking glam metal? Yeah. Not counting Stone Temple Pilots, I think they're pretty much warrant. But like, <laughs> the the but but in general, like Nirvana is fucking far better than ninety percent of fucking glam agreed, metal bands. Agreed. At Absolutely. least they were pop. Like they were writing good songs. They weren't just like like. All the fucking like warrant, all the, they they did. All, I keep saying warrant because that's the one that always occurs to me. But they they I just think they might did be the one formulas, the most, and actually. they were well, they were they were the most like they were just purely fucking there to fucking make yeah. money. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. Like I don't even fuck those guys. <laughs> <clears throat> I don't. I don't. The whole thing about fucking like grunge killing metal is just yeah. it doesn't even. Grunge had nothing. It just didn't have... Metal was doing its own thing at that point. Metal was done. Like, Metallica, well, like... Metal skimmed off fucking pop and it flew away. But metal wasn't done, though. And that's the thing. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. But it was, was done out of pop music. But so what was happening um, simultaneously, right? You had the death metal bands from Florida and from Birmingham. You had Eric. You had, um, you know, all of those labels that were yeah. were putting out this music, Roadrunner at that point, you know. Yeah, Roadrunner was um, good back then. They were good back then. And um, and so that was starting again. And then, you know, it wasn't that many years later. It was like a year later. Um, or, or even had been happening simultaneously. The stuff in Norway was going on. Yeah. And all the black metal in stuff Sweden was happening. And shit Sweden and shit was happening, yeah. So there was, it was such a rich period. There was tons of, of shit going there on. Was, you just had to know it, though. You just had to know it. And it was harder back then. And there wasn't as much of it coming through in terms yeah. of touring bands. The last, the last fucking um, zine that I bought, and I bought in 91, I think it was, like, when I was, like, pretty much, like, okay, done with metal, fuck metal. It's, like, the best, like, all my favorite bands are selling out. Death metal was a little too anot- atonal for me, and, like, it was kind of cannibal corpse representative of me which is like just this like ridiculous shock shit but the last fucking zine that I have has a review of uh, 
oh fuck, what's that album called? Dark Throne's first album. Like the the death metal album. It yeah. has a review of that. Soul Side Journey. Soul Side Journey. Yeah. It has a review That's of a great, fucking right? yeah. yeah. But it's like I look and I remember reading it. When I look back, I remember reading that, and I was like, "If you had just paid attention <laughs> and fucking bought that album, you might have not like burned out on all this stupid shit." So, how did you get back into it? Well, so it was very the the one of the most important uh, elements that got me back into metal was uh, I worked a corporate job, and because I moved out here, and I worked at a weirdo job with weirdo people, and and. Uh, I don't know, I just experimented with a lot of things. And then uh, I got a job at, at Pacific Bell Internet and doing tech support. And it quickly became this soul-crushing thing that reminded... Like, it was like being back in the Midwest again. Like, like around people who clap at meetings and who are, have team spirit <laughs> and all this weird shit. And, I, and, I, and, I, and, uh, and my friend had given me um, uh, Enemy of the Sun, a tape. He yeah. was like, "Yeah, you, you, he's like this. You you'll like this. It's a little too metal for me. Like he was a punk dude. Okay, but uh, you'll and and, and I started listening. Was <laughs> he like an old Neurosis fan? That like yes, yeah. He was, okay, dudes, right. he's like, he was like Neurosis was always a little too heavy for him, but he liked it, yeah. you know. And that that was just come on, dude. Yeah. You're, that's just taking it too far. And a, so and, and I started I started to find ways to listen to that more and more. And I and I and I remember at the time I thought it sounded like death metal, which is funny." It is funny to think that now, like, but, uh, this, the growly vocals and the heavy, heavy yeah. fucking sound. Um, but I got more and more into like negativity because working for a big corporation makes you feel negative. And I was getting more into punk. Like I, I, I was learning more about all these different punk bands. I never knew all this shit. Like, like, I mean, I learned about, um, like the Stooges and dead boys and all this stuff that, so like, before I'd just been into metal and that was pretty much it I was just a little hesher and then I moved out here and of course everyone was a punk and so I learned all this shit and every now and then I'd go to a show that would be like a good show uh, that would be a punk show but it wasn't quite hitting the spot and then uh, um, a friend of mine who was this indie rocker dude was telling me that I should check out the fucking champs I think they were not called the fucking champs yet but uh and I listened and they sounded they like, oh, this is cool. It's like instrumental. One of the things I didn't like about metal was problematic vocals, like vocals that just didn't do anything. They were just like, to me, they were just wah, wah, wah. Problematic in terms of the stylistically. Yeah, like I yeah. just, they, they, yeah, now I can actually, I've, yeah, it's it's a learned taste. Yeah. But, uh, but I, I, I was like this instrumental thing. It was like cool. It, to me, it was like Metallica kind of like, it reminded me of really old Metallica when I was a teenager in certain ways. I don't know, just the way the, like, Hetfield's riffs, or I, I think it's Hetfield, they have that, they have strange accents and strange, the one will be in a weird spot, mm. you know, like that. And they, they did that a lot, and it was really interesting. The Champs. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and then there was other band that I was into called Drunk Horse, who uh -huh. were really good, just like, kind of a cross between like Prague and Southern Rock. Right. And uh, I went to see them both play once, and this band Black Queen was playing. And, uh, this was at the end of the fucking mission metal scene, and I, I I remember reading about how there was this awesome metal scene in SF in '97, and I was like, yeah, I'm done with that shit. Fuck mm. that. So I didn't bother checking it out. This is like probably like 2000 or 1999 or something like that, and I saw Black Queen play, and they reminded me of everything I loved about metal. Like they were just like, and I mean, if you listen to them, that the the 
the songs they have like these Pantera ish or Carnivore whatever breakdowns. <laughs> you know, like they have these breakdowns that are really broy in certain points. Yeah. But they're just like it reminded me of the power of metal. Mm. Like I'd been into punk and, 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 and other things for so long. I've been trying to find other things, and then this is like, oh, this is what drew me to music in the first place. Right. And that once I heard them, like I started searching, and there was a, another band, Sangre Amado, that was on their yeah, same lab, sure. label. And I became a super, I was like really into Sangre Amado. And uh, I just kept searching out all the new bands and then also finding then I started researching the shit I'd missed you know like all the Norwegian bands all the Swedish mm-hmm. bands mm-hmm. Um, when did you start playing? well I jammed with that indie, the indie rock friend that I talked about okay. who, who uh, introduced me to the champs and stuff we would do Stooges stuff like he, he were you playing bass? yeah I must have been because he was doing guitar yeah so we were, we, we, I would do bass, he would do guitar, because I wasn't doing drums, there's no way. So yeah, we would just jam on a Stooges song. That was the first person I ever played with, but that was like very, like that was it. And I, oh, oh, another friend, I was playing bass. Yeah, so I basically got into bass. Like I was playing, I was I sort of learning guitar. Um, I've always been into rhythm and shit too. And uh, I, I was playing with my friend Christopher, uh, ex-friend Christopher. Mm. Um, we had this like doomy, burzumy kind of thing going on called Lucifagnarian Christ Rape. <laughs> <laughs> that was his name. But anyway. Yeah, it's funny because you say doomy, burzumy, and those two things are so different, but actually I... It totally makes sense. Like, if you think think about the, the instrumental shit, like, on Philosophem or uh, Hivitless Toss or whatever the fuck, I don't know, yeah. but uh, it's, yeah, I was friends with the dudes in Merbosidad, and when they lost right. their guitarist, they asked me to join. As which, a guitarist? Yeah. Okay. Which I was completely not ready for at And all. I knew you at that point. Yeah, 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 yeah. We knew each other at that point. Yeah. I think you knew me when I was playing Christopher, too. Okay. Um... So we, I played with them for like a, a couple of years. We didn't do much. We had a show. That's pretty much all we did. Oh. I was not ready, like, for the. F- I was not ready. I, we, I, I was supposed to write an album and all this, and I was oh. just not ready at all for that. I was still learning. I didn't even really know how to play a show at that point. But yeah, so that was my. So my first play. My first show I ever played was uh, two thousand six. I think. I remember. I remember. Destroyer six six six. Okay. It was like not the first show I should have had. Right. That was way too much. Were, were people at that show? Yeah, it was okay. a fucking huge okay. show. Yeah. That's what I didn't want to do. I didn't want yeah. to do a huge show. Like. Had Destroyer six 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 been out here before? No. Okay. <laughs> it was. Yeah. Yeah, I would way rather have played a smaller show. I actually, after that show, I vowed I would never play another show again. I remember I, I I couldn't go for whatever reason, but I remember you were super nervous about it. Yeah, and it, and, I, and, I, and if I and the, the, every problem I had involved fucking equipment and shit that I know how to deal with now. Yeah, yeah, it was a, it was okay. A, yeah, it was just too new. I was done was after that, new. but I was also in the band Beercraft at that point. Right. So I was like, after I played that fucking Robo Sad show, I was like, I never want to play again. That was humiliating. That was horrible. <laughs> That's the worst wow. thing that ever happened. And then Beercraft had a show a few months later. And I was like, I'll play that show and then I'm done. And that show was this drunken, ridiculous bacchanal. Like, just, we played probably like shit. I have no idea. I barely remember. It was a very, very fun show. And I realized, okay, this doesn't have to be stressful. Yeah. I just wish, oh yeah, that more boasted show. I wish that we'd had some, one, if we'd had one 
pre-show show to play. It would have, like... And everyone... But the thing is, Morbosidad, at that point, everyone expected a train wreck. Okay. And Morbosidad's whole thing was that they did train wrecks. <laughs> I mean, they... they or not their whole thing, but they when they were like you some of the worst sets you'd ever see would be Morosad. And yet some of the darkest, most fucked up evil sets right. would also be Morosad. Right. Like that was kinda of what drew me to him. Like they I I mean the first time I ever saw them watching them perform and seeing Tomas like rolling his eyes in the back of his head, I was like, This dude is way too serious about this shit. He is fucked up. And then I met him and he was this like like totally sweet guy. Like not like that at all, really. But yet also very into I don't know, yeah. So did they did you just quit? Morbosa Dad? No, um I mean I officially I got fired. Okay. Uh, I was on my way to we I was gonna quit. But it wasn't working, and everyone it, knew it. We knew it. Yeah, we were all we were trying, um, but it just wasn't. Yeah, he needed he the direction he was going. He needed more professional musicians. And I mean, it was great they gave me a chance, and I was shocked when they did. Yeah, it was basically like it was. It was interesting because we were on we went on a vacation. And the whole time I was like, oh, I gotta, I gotta tell Tomas that I can't play in the band anymore. I can't. I just can't do it. Mm. Like. I can't live up to the I, to what I need to do, and then like I got back and he'd sent an email and he's like, hey, like, dude, we need to get someone who's more professional guitar. Okay, you know? and I was like, okay, there. <laughs> yeah. And you felt okay about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Right. That was not. It's I still miss the days like, they were so dark and evil, when they like I saw them at chemos and they just like. They looked. They they fucked. They fucked up. Like I, it took them forever to get on and shit, and they had equipment malfunctions. But man, it was just this fucking like. I was like, this is what it would be like to listen to. Like, I, I remember thinking of Bathory. Like this must be what if Bathory ever played. They would play like this in this tiny little blacked out room that's sweaty and like ah. Oh. And then after so during that is when, um, I worked up the nerve to ask. John, if it would be cool if I tried out for... Because they lost their basis, so I, I asked if I could try out for the basis for Brzezomic Mayhem or whatever the fuck they were being called at that moment. <laughs> um, and... Yeah, so that that was in maybe... That was in 2008, I think. Okay, so Sunder was done. They weren't done. They were... They were... Like, it actually wasn't... that. So, so John had been doing that shit since 99 or something with... Peter uh, just it was kind of a back burner thing they would do once a week practices and Asunder was the main thing okay and they had like they had every now and then they'd get a guitarist like Matt Luquet um, from Artificium Sanguis he played with them for a little while on guitar and there's this guy Jody that played bass with them and then they were getting kind of serious with Jody and then Jody moved to LA like all of a sudden and so they're looking for a bassist and I always try to kind of hint to John that, hey, I play bass, you know? But he doesn't, like, that's not how he works. He's like, if you want to play with him, you should actually say, hey, let me try to fucking play in your band and see if it works. And eventually I was a Direct approach. Enough, yeah, because otherwise he's like, well, maybe you don't really care that much, you know? That's my theory. Anyway, so one time I was drunk enough to say it, and so we I tried out, and then we started working on shit. And that was like 
asunder at that point was starting to be a problem. I don't know. They weren't. They just weren't doing much together, and so he was starting to focus more on he. And and that that actually around then was when he was saying that he wanted to focus more on the spirit. Mm-hmm. And so we started. Yeah, like I when, once I learned some stuff, we realized I was going to be able to pull it off enough yeah. to to do it. We started looking for another guitarist. That would okay. be 2009, I think. Okay. I don't know how much you're involved with the writing and the compositions. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you could talk about that. Uh, John has been writing music for a long time. Yeah. Every now and then, I'll come up with something really good, and, and it'll it'll be put up, it'll be put in there. Um, uh, but John comes up with good shit just off the top of his head a lot of times, and so sometimes he'll say, "Hey, do something like this," and he'll give me a bass line. And then I'm like, I work on it and work on it and work on it. Like, well, there's not much more than what you did. That every anything else is either too noodly or mm. it's not, you know. So, but anyway, whatever. But uh, I think that the thing is like, like it's very much John's vision. A lot the band is very much John's vision. Although we, we everyone in the band all contributes, but it is his main vision. He's the main vision of it, and uh, he grew up in thrash and then has been through every permutation and and also is has been influenced by he grew up in the fucking bay area and he had he had he has he has a cousin who is into all this jazz and shit and he's he's been exposed to like tons and tons and tons of music but so so he's not trying to make he doesn't have he doesn't give a fuck about making a, a genre of music like that's we're, clear. We're not trying to, yeah we're not trying to be black we're not trying yeah. to be fucking doom that's totally but clear but everything yeah. is like i mean you can probably trace almost every fucking riff we have to some something in some way like you know what i mean like like there's a merciful fate thing that you could actually say oh that's actually merciful fate that's fucking funkadelic you know like <laughs> cuz merciful fate stole that from funkadelic uh-huh. but it's just, it's 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 a constant Dynamic fucking conversation with yeah. music. It's yeah. not like we're not, tr- but also we're, we're we're not trying to be anything other than fucking metal. Like that's not we're not trying to like bring in outside influence. All this, you know what I'm saying? Like no, there's, mean, there's people who try to be like yeah. like fusion. We're not fusion. We're fucking metal. Like most most of what we're what most of what we're trying to do is express certain feelings. Yeah. Most of them involve decay and despair. And that's you're you're. Doing that very well, <laughs> yeah. and and it's done in a metal fucking way. Like, and I wish I could actually see those lyrics because <laughs> <laughs> we have some written down. We're always trying to get it's it's hard. Like lyrics are really hard. Lyrics are the hardest thing of all because music, music you can feel, you can write it and you feel it. But lyrics, lyrics if you you're trying to get a point across, but you can say it in a way that just makes you sound like a fucking like. Like, it makes it sound silly, you know, like, or didactic, like all these ways. We, uh, so we, we, we've worked on lyrics a bunch. We have notebooks full of fucking lyrics, but they don't always get, like, it takes, like, it takes about four pages of lyrics to get four lines on the fucking actual song. So the other thing I wanted to ask you about, um, I mean, you talked about one of your initial attractions to heavy metal when you were a kid, and this links into what we were just talking about. Um, was kind of, you know, questioning and rebellion and um, an alternative to, I mean, you were presented with sort of an alternate worldview from what you were used to. Um, And you were uh, resistant to that 
to an extent at first. Um, there's something very adolescent about that idea, right? Mm-hmm. And we hear a lot when there are academic um, writings or studies about it. I mean, you hear a lot about that. It's a teenager thing. It's What do you think about sort of the the idea that it is something that is about adolescent rebellion, which cheapens it in a weird way? Uh, whatever it is that I was rebelling against in the beginning, I don't think I'd ever changed or it never was fixed. I don't know. Uh, I don't have the same sense of rebellion that I had when I was a fucking 15-year-old. I don't have that anymore. A lot of what you said really resonated in terms of the Dungeons and Dragons stuff and the fantasy stuff and the attraction to um, darker things and kind of the shadow side of existence. I mean, I think that all of those things are fundamental for me and they're, they're things that I have to tap into. Um, yes. They're things that I think are often ignored. Um, the fact that I mean, I, I, for me, what it boils down to is, is, is the fact that our lives are, are, are finite and we've got a limited amount of time and that the only thing we can count on is that things will change. And I think that there's a lot of resistance to contemplating that. But it's shoved in our faces all the time as well in some ways that are indirect and not always very... Um, healthy and I think thinking about it in an art form like this makes perfect sense yeah I think that's really well well put what do you think (laughs) I actually think that makes a whole lot of sense that uh, you're not supposed to think about it but it's something we can't help but think about yet also if you think if you Metal is not just fucking about death. Like, look at Motorhead. Look at fucking Lemmy. It's about living. It's about living in the face of death. But you do get a lot of fucking push... I mean, I hadn't thought of that, but you do get a lot of fucking pushback. I've always been morbid. It's always been... It's never... It's not a, like, a choice of mine or whatever. But yeah, you get a lot of pushback on it. Yeah. And metal does not. Metal is, like, metal is morbid, like... You're going to be mocked if you are like, hey, that song's kind of morbid. You know, what the fuck, dude? Doesn't make any sense. Also, uh, like like music of dispirit, the things that we play, um, man, it's cathartic. It's very cathartic. the, 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 so the, mu- the music that we play is very cathartic. I have been through some really fucking negative times, and you can bleed the poison out of your soul playing this shit sometimes, or, like, maybe listening to it or whatever. I mean, I, yeah, I've, I've definitely bled poison out of my soul listening to music, too. But you're taking the most negative things that you experience and you're making them into music, and... That's health. That's a catharsis. I think that's something every metalhead just inherently understands. I think you're right. I think that's a good place to actually wrap this up. Probably. <laughs> <laughs>